The DFL Agenda is made possible with generous philanthropic contributions from listeners like you. Today's episode is brought to you by the Non-Profiti Partners Organization and Kyle's Cargo for Kids. Thank you for supporting the DFL and our analysis. And now, back to the show. Welcome to another episode of the DFL Podcast. It's your host, Randall David, joined again by Kyle Whitney and Andrew Profiti as we continue our mini-series of the our off-season evaluation of rosters. Um, I know this past weekend has been pretty intense in the group chat on WhatsApp, and uh, you know you want more content, and here we are continuing to chug along and going through our off-season evaluation of rosters um, and you know enjoy. So, guys, how are you doing today? How are you feeling after all that uh, commotion that happened this past weekend? I'm really glad it was over text, not in person. Otherwise, I probably would have lost my voice. But otherwise, you know, doing pretty good, Randall. How about you, man? Well, for doing me, pretty uh, good too. Yeah, for me, you know, I'm glad I write in diaries because I'm not about agendas. <laughs> Did you you saved that one, didn't you? You had that locked and loaded and ready to go, huh? Oh, I was ready to fire it up. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, to all our listeners and, you know, to those who at least pay attention in the group chat, you know, this past weekend we had a very large blockbuster trade involving a one Devontae Adams being sent from Jordan Rodriguez's team over to uh, Justin's team in exchange for Jerry Judy, Alan Robinson, and a second round pick. Uh, Today, we're, you know, one of the teams we're actually going to be talking about is going to be the LA Rams. So, now that there's been a bit of a shakeup on his roster, let's uh, kind of talk about, you know, what are the next steps for our semifinalist that came up just short on a stat correction? Sure. So I guess, I mean, just to start things off, uh, pro- at the moment, projectable keepers, um, you're looking at uh, Kyler Murray, uh, Daniel Jones, um, Judy Robinson, uh, mix in and then lock it presumably as your top five um, guys on the outside looking in uh, depending on moves that may happen. You also have Kareem Hunt in that conversation. Um, if Rob Gronkowski decides that he wants to play football again next year, which we're not sure happens, that's part of that conversation um, as well as some others that may or may not vary depending on uh, their situation as it evolves in the off season. Um you know, I mean, I, I really don't know what to say that I haven't said already in the last 48 hours. But, uh, I mean, uh, again, just to sort of reiterate um, my, my one main thesis from the weekend is that, you know what, teams have every right to be selfish. Uh, teams have every right to go in and demand uh, maximum asset value. And, I mean, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not 100% convinced that Jordan did that here by uh, by trading Devontae Adams away. I mean, you know, I, I'm not angry with it. I get it. I appreciate that he uh, he sees a lot of uh, potential in both Judy and Robinson. And you know what? If uh, both of them wind up top 20 wide receivers and Devontae Adams takes a step back this year and becomes, I don't know, like wide receiver number 10, let's say, in the absolute worst case scenario, I mean, this works out really well for him. Um, I mean, I've never been high on Daniel Jones. I'm not 100% sure he even sees the end of the season as a starter in New York. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of that piece, full stop for his team or any team. But um, but for as long as he has all these assets healthy, um, 
you know, he has a really strong core. Um, I'd say it's it's probably um, a surefire playoff roster at the moment, um, or at least certainly uh, in the conversation of being in that uh, in that neighborhood for sure. Yeah, for me um, to kind of just go off of that, um, you know, I guess when you're dealing the best player in the deal, there's two teams that are making deals, and there's always going to be one guy that's going to deal the player that's probably better than the other ones involved. And you always want to see that player that's being dealt, in this case, Devontae Adams. You want to see someone maximize on the return. I am not, like, obviously, I don't like seeing Justin make these deals, especially when they're guys you essentially know he's not going to keep. But to do the flip side here, I really am a big fan of Jordan Rodriguez. I think he's one of the best GMs in this league. Um, if it wasn't for some bad luck, uh, I think he'd be the champ this year. Um, but hey, uh, you know, here we are and he had to make this deal and uh, shake things up for his team. I'm very high on Jerry Judy. Um, you know, Chris, uh, the GM of Las Vegas, dealt him to uh, to G- the Giants and Justin for Deontay Johnson and and picks, and for me, I was kind of iffy on him making that deal. And once Wilson signed with the Denver Broncos, it, it, I was very iffy. But you know what's done is done, and I think Jerry Judy, who had some injuries last season, he's coming from a school like Alabama the previous year. Uh, I really like his pedigree and what he can bring to the table, especially with Wilson throwing him the ball. Uh, when it comes to Allen Robinson, like, I hate that we have to talk about him. Um, maybe he has a turnaround season, but you're basically rolling the dice. It's 50-50. It could be the Allen Robinson from last year, or it could be the Allen Robinson from two years ago where he blew up um, on Jacksonville and even at the beginning of his time in in Chicago. And then Daniel Jones, you know, uh, there was talk about, you know, Trubisky going there and they might draft a guy to go there. So like, is he really going to be the starter? You know, you want guys that are going to go to your team that you know are going to be there for one, two, three years. And with Robinson, you know, there's those question marks. And I think the same go with Daniel Jones. Um, I'm very high on uh, Judy, like I said, but I, I would have liked to see in any other deal. And I know Justin wouldn't be able to do that was maybe a first going that way and maybe the chatter wouldn't be as high as it is right now. Um, you know, the second is great and and it helps Jordan because Jordan had nothing coming his way other than in the fourth round. So, you know, there's that draft capital and, and we'll probably talk about this until next season, but Devontae is going to feast um, with Las Vegas, his best friends throwing him the ball. And I, and I think that it's a move that it might come and bite Jordan in the butt, but he had, the obviously he was able to make that risk so yeah so I mean it's great hearing both of you uh talk about the trade a little bit and kind of shed a little bit uh perspectives on things I guess I have a question for both of you um if you had the the way that uh Jordan's roster was pre-Devante Adams trade uh, pre the Devante Adams trade would you have traded Devante Adams or would you have held on and just wrote it out. I mean, I, I'll take it first, I guess. Um, 
If I was trading any wide receiver on that roster, it's probably looking to move Tyler Lockett, to be honest. Um, and and my thing is, is I'm not super high on on trading these high end assets in the off season. I think your your ceiling, uh, your return ceiling is at least a little bit limited, if not significantly limited, because of uh, because a a lot of teams um, from the trade deadline have exhausted a lot of draft capital um, that may be looking to make those moves. And B, um, you're kind of limited in terms of the personnel that you can bring in. You know, I mean, you know, even Tyler Lockett, even if Jordan happens to think that he's not the guy that he once was, maybe, you know, I mean, I, I for one, see no reason for him to, you know, fall off as significantly as probably a lot of people think. Um, you know, a home run hitter is a home run hitter, and Drew Locke can still throw a mean deep ball. Like, it's not like that's going to, you know, evaporate overnight. Um, you know, to have like, let's say Tyler Lockett has a really big week one, you know, next season, like, let's say he goes off, he, he has five receptions for a hundred yards, two touchdowns, you know, something obscene like that, you know, you're telling me that that return, that ceiling of return can't be what he just got for Devonte Adams yesterday. Uh, I mean, I don't know. To me, it just seems like, uh, like I said, like that there's just a maximum return that you can get in the off season. And it's very much so limited to, to roster construction and how people view the roster construction going forward. Whereas in season, you know, he could have gotten maybe an extra a first instead of a second there. He could have gotten probably a couple uh, running back handcuffs or something like, you know, that could help him through the, the longevity of the season and into a playoff run. And I just don't, you know, that, that simply just doesn't exist in the off season as a, as a possibility for a return or, or rationally doesn't make sense anyway. Yeah. And you know, Kyle, like you said, make the trade? Would you make the trade? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on the flip side here and they're both, as you know, Randall, I don't like when my guys get into their thirties, they're both 29 years old. Um, I think the value of Devonte is obviously higher than Lockett right now. So I would make the trade, but I would want a little bit more certainty in each player that I'm receiving. So, you know, I'd want that first round pick. I'd want maybe a mid round pick. I'd want a prospect like, you know, probably Jerry Judy. And I'd like someone that I can plug into my lineup that's established as well. So I'd probably want a little bit more. Now I get it. You know, he made the deal and you're getting a second quarterback, which I know he is big on, um, though he does have Kyler Murray, which is a quarterback and a running back at times. So, you know, I'd be laughing with just one if I were him, but I get what he did. uh, And I see where the move, um, you know, adds a little bit more depth to his team. Uh, I guess I'm just not really sold on, on some of what, you know, has been sold in terms of Allen Robinson because that team is really going to move and has always moved through Cooper Cup. I know OBJ went in there and really made a dent. Um, So maybe Allen Robinson does that. I don't want to shoot down that because it definitely can happen. Uh, I guess it just comes down to what happens if, you know, Daniel Jones isn't the starter, not next year, but the the year after and even next year. Maybe he gets taken out and then you lose that quarterback and he's looking for that position already. But, um, yeah, for me, uh, I would have no problem making the deal uh, for Devontae and, and try to maximize 
uh, the return. And I've always been huge on that, um, whether it be Antonio Brown, um, whether it be, you know, I know Megatron retired when I dealt him, but I've always seen players come to, you know, their 29, 30 years of age. And I always want to get younger at that position because it's always about who's the next up and comer. And, and that's what I would want to do if I'm giving away a top five wide receiver like Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like that's, that's a, you know, pretty great uh, insight there, Kyle. So I'll, I'll provide a, a little bit of like insider info. Cause you talk, both of you have both mentioned about, um, you know, trying to maximize the return. So originally there, there was a, um, uh, higher draft picks were going to be involved in the original offer of the deal. Um, I won't get into specifics, but, um, you know, chatting with Justin about it, there were higher picks involved, but this was prior to Alan Robinson being signed up. This was prior to Robert Woods being traded to the Titans. So there was definitely some uncertainty there with Alan Robinson in the sense like, okay, what's going to happen? You got Robert Woods, you got Cooper Cup, you've got OBJ who may or may not sign because they want to, you know, run back and bring every back, bring the whole game back together. Um, but he's coming off of an injury. So th- that was definitely like an area that was, um, you know, that kind of swayed or pushed a little bit on the, on the draft capital piece in terms of acquiring more. Um, the one thing that I, you know, looking at from Jordan's perspective, as someone who went to the finals with his team, you know, he kind of got decimated from the transactions of the offseason. You know, the, the signing of Allen Robinson immediately, like, renders, like, Van Jefferson not fantasy relevant. Um, Tyler Lockett, I like Tyler Lockett as a, as a quarterback, uh, sorry, as a receiver. Um, but with Russell Wilson out of Seattle, and now it's going to be a competition between Geno Smith and Drew Locke, are we expecting consistent performances from a week-to-week basis? going to be pretty difficult to kind of um, project that over a 16, 17 week season. You know, Perfidi pointed out that Gronk hasn't signed yet. I'm surprised, you know, the moment that Brady unretired, I thought that, you know, Hey, Gronk's going to be the first guy to line up, be like, I'm coming back and I'm going to play for Tampa. And yet Tampa signed Cameron break first as their tight end before they got a hold of, um, got a hold of uh, Gronk. And, you know, he's acquiring a player like Jerry Judy and, you know, he's a really young player, gets to fill in some of those parts of his roster because, yeah, he, he's got holes. And if, hypothetically, if Jordan really liked Allen Robinson and wanted to grab him in the draft, if, you know, Justin was unable to move him, period, he's one of those scrubs that's like, as he said, like he's someone who is droppable because it's a surplus of talent and he would just go back in the pool. The thing with Jordan's draft picks is that he doesn't have a pick in the first three rounds. So he's not going to be able to really acquire anything of, you know, anything meaningful to really keep his team afloat. So, you know, he kind of really got shafted in that area with regards to some of those kind of off season moves um, with his roster. And, you know, despite Daniel Jones and how we all think about him, you know, I still, uh, you know, the him running for like 80 yards on Monday night football and like tripping before getting a touchdown that, that lives rent free in my head. That's just there. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, that just sits there, you know, like it was the Eagles, I believe it was, they're just like laughing on the sidelines. Like, yeah, that just just sits there. But you know, when yes, Kyler is, you know, the quarterback running back type of um, player that puts up superb numbers, but when he's on a bye week 
you don't want to have someone who's going to put up zero points. It's it's that part, you know, I can understand the the logic or the reason as to why. Yeah. I mean, well, well, sorry, go ahead. No, I guess uh, we'll wait for Randall. I guess he's having some technical difficulties, but are you back there, Randall? No. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. Yeah, what's up? Well, I, well, so, I just, it's for some reason, I just cut out there. It's okay, go on. Did you want, yeah, did you want to finish your thought or? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I just didn't know where I left off there. I was just saying, like, yeah, you know, having the last thing I said was just about, um, you know, uh, when your QB is on by and you want to have that quarterback to kind of fill in, you don't want to have zero points there. So, um, yeah, and you know, I I I like the talent in Jerry Judy. I think he's a I think he's a he has the potential to be you know a top ten, top five dynasty receiver the next you know X amount of years. He's only twenty two. That's a thing that you know I know Kyle, you're really big on the youth um, part, and the fact that he's only twenty two and he's been playing football since you know Lord knows when, and he was successful at Alabama basically as like a you know late teenager, early. Um, Adult, like that kind of gives you, you know, some hope that, you know, he can demonstrate a lot of things and having Russell Wilson kind of paired up with him there. So, yeah, like, um, yeah, like I think that's a, I, I personally, if I was in Jordan's position, seeing the keepers that I would have had going in the off season, I would have, and not having any picks in the first three rounds, I 100% would have made a deal to move um, Devontae Adams finding a right trading partner is certainly difficult because people are stubborn about who they want to give away and who they don't want to give away. I mean, I know both of you, um, you know, Profiti, like you are a contending team, Kyle, you're a contending team, cut that nonsense. You know, if, <laughs> if both of you were going to be considering like, you know, hypothetically offering a deal for like a Devonte Adams type of player, you know, the fact that Justin offered like a blue chip prospect in Jerry Judy, you know, Kyle, you'd have to find like a blue chip type prospect to throw in to sweeten the deal. So would you re- would you be open to like moving like an Emin Ross St. Brown? Would you be open to moving like your first round pick? And the same thing goes for you too, um, Graffiti. It's like, you know, the, the, the difficulty about finding two to tango when you, you know there's um, holes in your roster and you want to find someone who, to, who is going to be the best um, buyer of a stud player. Um, I mean, I don't like, I wouldn't be in the market for, for, um, Devontae Adams. I don't know what I would trade on my team. Um, but you know, it's, it's that kind of like process. I think that, you know, I think Jordan really took his time and probably listened to other offers. Um, but yeah, I guess that's what makes it pretty difficult in terms of, you know, seeing how things go. And with, that's the thing I was just going to say too, with Alan Robinson, you know, uh, Kyle, the other thing you mentioned about like older wide receivers, you know, yeah, I, I'm also kind of in the same boat on that too. Um, I was, you know, a couple years ago, I was team OBJ is washed. He's never going to be anything relevant ever again. He's going to be some wide receiver three duster unless he gets in the perfect situation. Oh. Well, and just to kind of piggyback on what Randall's saying, um, no, I wouldn't make the trade uh, in regards to uh, Devontae. I don't have a first, and, you know, I would have to get really creative to make that deal. Um, in the end of the day, you know, Jordan made the deal, and the mic drop moment is, you know, he said he had other deals on the table, and this was the better one of whatever amount there was. So that's all that matters in the end of the day. Would you not agree? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I I don't think that the timing was necessarily the best. Um, you know, I think I think that kind of is what it is. I mean, the trade has already happened. You can't really do much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just simply don't like the the assets that I probably would have had to part with. I probably just wouldn't be willing to move. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm assuming that Kyle Pitts would have to be part of any deal if I was trying to acquire Devonte Adams, and I'm just, I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, so if I can't do that, it would probably have to be something centering around, you know, um, multiple draft picks, probably. Like it would have, to, you know, I mean, if I was to go, like, let's say two firsts, a second, and something else. And, and some other piece for Devontae. I mean, I don't know if that's enough. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, maybe that just, it's a no because it's not allowing Jordan to compete in the immediate future. Um, but, I mean, that's a different discussion altogether because, like I said, I mean, the trade's already happened. So, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, there's, there's no use crying over spilled milk, I guess, as we say. And... Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that's just sort of where I'm at with it. I mean, um, what I will say, though, is I feel like there's a lot um, there's a lot being put into what – a lot of thought being put into what Devontae's floor is going to be next year and a lot more um, time, effort, and thought being put into what Judy and Robinson's ceiling will be. Hmm. Um, and I don't know how much of that was part of Jordan's calculus necessarily. And I mean, you know, um, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush and like, that's literally what just happened. So maybe that's part of what happened here. You know, you look at guys that are, that's, that appear to be rising and you think your guy's falling. So you get while the getting is good. Um, you know, again, I'm not going to pretend I know what, what Jordan's calculus was, but, I mean, you know, he got his second quarterback, such as it is for the time being at least. And, you know, he got two uh, two quality players there. Um, I just don't think any of the three of those guys are ever going to be as talented or as productive as Devontae necessarily was and possibly is, if we're being point, uh, perfectly honest about it. That's totally fair. So, I mean, clearly we all are pretty divisive about how the trade went down and the assets that were acquired and, you know, all the other components in terms of the projections of the players going both ways. It's going to be kind of a wait and watch and see how things go. But, you know, the one thing I I will say for Jordan's team is that the keepers that he was originally projected to have before the Devontae Adams trade is better after the trade. So, and not having any draft capital, uh, you know, I have to give him credit there to kind of fill in those holes. It's unfortunate. You know, that's kind of how the offseason goes where, you know, players, they sign other places or they get traded and it boosts or, you know, it bumps up their value or, or decreases their value. And so it's, it's a perfect time to kind of talk about the, the DFL champion in, um, in the Miami Dolphins and looking to see how their team is looking coming up and the fact that there have been some of their key quote-unquote keepers that have been uh, traded or signed in other uh, organizations. So, Kyle, why don't you take it away? Oh, I thought you would never ask. So, Steve Kahn is a champion. So, congratulations, Steve. Miami Dolphins, 
uh, you did it. You were a low seed and, and you won. Uh, you definitely, you know, you paid the piper to definitely get there uh, as you're not picking until the fifth round. So, you know, hopefully you have an eye for absolute uh, just blue chip gems when it comes to that pick. But I think the road to repeat will be tough. Um, you know, he has Jalen Hurts, which obviously, you know, you got yourself a dual uh, threat quarterback, probably more on the running side than the throwing side. Um, you know, Matt Ryan going to Indy, I think definitely helps his cause. He's going to a place with multiple weapons. And I think, you know, you're getting a Matt Ryan that played on the Falcons with nothing to Matt Ryan going to a team with a strong O-line and multiple weapons. It's just going to be a game changer for him. Jamar Chase, you got someone there that's absolutely, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the league and uh, definitely, you know, the future of the league. Um, top three tight end in Mark Andrews. You know, you can't say much about that, but when it comes to the rest of his team, you know, is Cordell Patterson going to repeat um, what he did last year to what he's going to do this year? You know, I don't know. Uh, I've never been sold on him, and I thought he was a surprising uh, player last year. And then now he has Chase Edmonds, who's no longer in Arizona, in Miami. He has Raheem Mostert, no longer in San Francisco and in Miami. So he needs to essentially find out which one of those two guys are going to be his next running back. So, you know, you got a couple of players here that are game changers, but then you got holes at your running back position. And, and as everyone knows in this league, if you don't have, you know, a serviceable, serviceable running back, uh, you're not going to make too much noise. Um, he also doesn't have a wide receiver too. Antonio Brown is no, obviously, you know, nothing. Uh, Sterling Shepard has been a flop. Um, KJ Osborne, I don't think is going to be what he was at the end of the season. Now that, uh, you know, Thielen and, uh, you know, Jefferson are obviously going to be taking the reins there. So maybe Marquez Valdez-Scantling now maybe fits into a keeper position for him. I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see what you guys are going to say, but um, if I were a betting man, I don't think I would be betting that Steve is going to be able to repeat. He might push for the playoffs in a similar position that he did this year, but I, I don't see him uh, making a big push into a uh, championship uh, number two and back to back. So, so I, go so, ahead. I mean, so I, I guess Long story short, I mean, I think for anybody to repeat, I think it's it's overwhelmingly difficult to do, I think, in this league. Um, and, and and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody's ever repeated. Nope, no repeats. Um, so, I mean, you know, that, that on its own is... Uh, is go is no small task. I mean, even getting to back to back finals, I think only you know two or three teams in the history of this league have ever been able to do it. Just two. Um, you know, I think what you you and Justin, I'm assuming. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know that that you know is another thing to sort of uh, take into account. So I mean, you know, expectations um, being what they are. 
um, I guess when you are the league champion, it, it's kind of tough to, uh, you know, it, it's tough to, I guess, sort of reset those expectations and sort of um, be as, as realistic and as honest with yourself as possible. I mean, um, you know, he's got two quality quarterbacks in, in Matt Ryan and Jalen Hurts. If Matt Ryan turns back the clock at all and just protect, you know, I'm, I'm, sure he's hopeful that last year was just uh, a, uh, an outlier year for Matt Ryan um, in Atlanta. In Indianapolis, he'll have uh, a bit more weapons available to him as well as a run game um, and, a, and a better offensive line. So I think that helps him a lot uh, in terms of production next year. Jalen Hurts has gotten progressively better with each passing game, uh, let alone each passing season in Philly. So, I mean, you know, if that trend continues um, – I think I think that helps a lot for him. Um, and, you know, I mean, Mark Andrews, regardless of what, you know, we all think, I mean, he was the tight end one last year. I mean, I don't think he's going to repeat his tight end one next year, but, um, you know, I'm sure he's surely a top five tight end, I think, on most people's, uh, by most people's opinion. Um, you know, and, and Jamar Chase kind of speaks for himself, man. That, that He's going to be an absolute monster in the NFL for years. Um, you know, the only real question mark for him, again, uh, is, you know, which backfield does he like better or feel better about, Atlanta's or Miami? He's got uh, both lead backs on both rosters currently. Um, you know, I and I, and I kind of feel for the guy because I really don't know um, which move is the right move to make and, and which guys are the right guys to necessarily keep. Um, and, and likewise, if there's even necessarily a market for um, whichever of the one or possibly two guys that he's willing to move or would be willing to move, I guess. So, I mean, he's got a long offseason ahead of him. Um, you know, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of potential there, and I think as the offseason sort of evolves, maybe uh, more more options become available to him in terms of making his roster better. Um, but at the moment, I don't see any sort of real obvious moves to make or that he should make, um, un- un- unfortunately for him. Yeah, so, you know, looking at, um, you know, Steve's team, you know, congratulations to him. You know, he has the, you know, he will probably hold that record in our league as being the lowest seed to ever win a DFL championship. I don't, I can't imagine an eight seed um, coming in and, you know, sweeping the floor given, you know, how our league is kind of constructed. Um, But looking at his roster, you know, he does have a lot of questions uh, and some things kind of worked in his favor. So, I, I, I'm glad that Cordero Patterson went back to Atlanta. Uh, that's good because clearly the coaching staff is pretty um, – they, they liked what he did. Yes, he kind of fell off towards the end of the season, and maybe they might manage him a little bit better. Maybe they draft a rookie running back to kind of balance that out. But even if he's not the lead back, he's definitely going to be a PPR machine, I think. Um, so it's good that he got back to a place that was – a place of stability for him. Uh, Chase Edmonds, while he was productive in Arizona and going to Miami, I think the interesting dynamic there is the fact that, you know, with Mike McDaniel being the coach now for the Dolphins, who was previously with the 49ers organization, he's probably seen a lot of Chase Edmonds. And there's probably a lot of things that 
he likes about his game and how he plays, and which is why he went out and reached to to acquire a guy like uh, Chase Edmonds. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a good move for him. I think it's a better a bit of an upgrade because Arizona's offense, while it was very productive. Um, they went through waves where it was really just going through Connor at the goal line and Edmonds wasn't really getting much touches and things like that. So from a fantasy perspective, he wasn't going to be as productive. Um, Matt Ryan uh, going to Indianapolis. I know Kyle, you said he's, there's going to be more weapons in Indianapolis. The only weapon that I know of there is, is Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor, which is very similar to the like Kyle Pitts type of situation. However, um, I think it is an upgrade from what he was in Atlanta because of the fact that, you know, he was only, he only threw, what was it? I think it was like four touchdowns in the second half of the season. I think he'll have more opportunity or not four touchdowns, uh, six touchdowns, maybe. It was yeah. bad. Whatever the number was, it was ugly. It was really bad over the course of half a season for Matt Ryan. Not very good, but I think, I think it is an upgrade going out to, um, to Indy. Uh, I think that, uh, there will be opportunities for them to whether picking up a, a receiver or drafting somebody to kind of keep them going. We saw what happened in Philip Rivers last year as a Colt. Um, he still put up fantasy numbers and he was still relevant and he was, you know, surprisingly good in his last year fantasy wise. Um, you know, you think of like someone like the other quarterbacks who've recently retired, like the Eli Mannings, the Drew Brees, the Ben Roethlisberger's in their final years as a fantasy quarterback, they were very bad. Whereas with Philip Rivers, you know, he was, he was, he was okay. He was okay. And for someone like Matt Ryan at his stage in his career, I think it's a, it's a good fit being an indie and they're going to continue kind of like playing the the hamster wheel and just throwing another veteran quarterback until they find their young guy. I think that's pretty good. Um, with regards to the rest of their team, I think they got a little bit of a boost with the fact that, you know, Devontae Adams, as we mentioned earlier, being traded to the Las Vegas Raiders, um, that, you know, MVS now has a little bit more value as a potential receiver, as a keeper. I am pretty optimistic that Jamar Chase would take another leap in the NFL and, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, wide receiver five or whatever he was last season, but I, oh, wow. He was wide receiver five yep. last season. Um, you know, I think he's going to be in that conversation, the top eight hands down. It just depends on, you know, things like that. And Mark Andrews, you know, I agree with you, Profiti. He is definitely, you know, in everybody's conversation as like a top five, I would even put him as a top three tight end um, just based on how Baltimore's offense runs. And in our league with how tight ends are a premium and how they can really swing matchups, I think that really works in his favor. Um, my only concerns that I have with uh, Miami's roster, because as a seven seed, you know, it's not like you have, you, you don't have very top heavy talent. You might have players who just got really hot at the right time. Cause generally that's what kind of happens when a lower seed, um, you know, proceeds all the way to the finals, you get a couple lucky breaks here and there and, you know, the thing that kind of really stands out to me is going to be the fact that they don't have any draft picks in the first four rounds, I believe it is. So they're going to be sitting on the sidelines and when they're going to try to fill in some of those gaps as to what are these, um, like who's going to be the players that they can acquire to kind of give them some depth or some security around running back or around receiver and, and things like that. Yep. 
I mean, I don't know. I, I guess, um, sorry to just to piggyback on all that. Um, it's all good. You know, we sort of go with, uh, we, we talk about like longevity um, as well. And, and, you know, I mean, with the Matt Ryan conversation, um, I believe I, I, I might have heard incorrectly, but um, I'm pretty sure TSN reported just the other day when the trade sort of broke that uh, that he has the most passing yards in the NFL since 2016, Matt Ryan. Huh. Um, which is just insane to me when I heard it. I mean, not not super high touchdown numbers, but to have that many passing yards, I think it's just wild. I, I never would have thought that. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's kind of interesting to sort of note. Um, again, the offensive line in Indianapolis is going to be much better than whatever he had in Atlanta last year, such as it was. Um, so sometimes just getting that extra half a second to be able to go and work through a progression, um, Mm -hmm. might make the world a difference for him from a productivity standpoint. Um, but I guess, um, my, my question for you guys is, uh, you know, how many, how many more years do you guys think Matt Ryan has, uh, has left in him as, as a starting quarterback? Okay, so I'll go first so I can make sure I get this off the top of my head. So I did do I did look up that stat you just brought up, and you are correct. Matt Ryan has had the most passing yards since 2016. He only has a 500-yard gap over Brady and a 1,000-yard gap over Kirk Cousins, who both have missed more games than Matt Ryan has. So, yes, he's got accumulated the most stats, but he's played the most games compared to Brady and Cousins. And the next person on the list is Derek Carr. So, you know, graffiti, that's pretty good. You're in pretty good company. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so the, the top three guys, you know, has been Ryan, Brady, and Cousins in terms of yardage. So, yes, he's, he's definitely thrown quite a bit in that, in that period of time. Um, Matt Ryan as a starting quarterback. So, I've – you know, just kind of seeing like how quarterbacks have been aging over the years. And yes, there's been rule changes and things like that. And we saw how not good Matt Ryan was last season. And, you know, there was all this story about, okay, well, you know, Calvin Ridley's there and Calvin Ridley's out for personal health reasons or personal mental health stuff. And then you have Kyle Pitts who's supposed to like ignite the offense and Kyle Pitts hit a thousand yard season, but not enough touchdowns. They had Cordell Patterson that was there that was getting all these scrimmage yards and things like that. Um, you know, Russell Gage was supposed to emerge as somebody who'd be a, you know, big receiver, didn't kind of like click. I think Matt Ryan is getting to the point where um, just like the other quarterbacks, you know, you hit the late 30s, like late 30s approaching early 40s, unless you are someone who, um, you know, is 100% committed to football all the time and does everything, you know, yes, we joke about Brady being, you know, turning 45 this August and he's still doing up numbers and things like that. But I think he is the true anomaly out of all of it. I think, I think the consistency is going to be that if you're going to approach that 38, 39 kind of range, you're going to start to have some declines. You're going to start to see some things change. And I think Matt Ryan fits in that boat too. I don't think there's anything that would suggest otherwise. I mean, we saw with 
you know, even lesser quarterbacks like the Eli Mannings or um, seeing it with quarterbacks like Peyton Manning and um, Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers, like it just, you just hit a wall eventually. And, and that's totally okay. Um, I think, I truly think that Brady's just like the exception and not going to be the, the norm moving forward that quarterbacks are going to play in their forties, which is why I kind of laughed a bit when uh, Russell Wilson said he wants to play for another 12 years, which puts him in that 42 range and I'm like I don't know if you're going to play that long but I appreciate the uh, I appreciate that you were willing to say that yeah I mean I, I yeah I, I totally agree on like the assessment of longevity of quarterbacks I mean Tom Brady is not the rule like I like I like I'm sorry but he is not the model going forward he might be for like this generation of quarterbacks that are coming into the league now um, where, you know, their entire career at the NFL and collegiate level, they've never really gotten hit. Um, you know, so maybe guys like, you know, Mahomes, Josh Allens, you know, your Herberts, your Burrows, assuming that the Bengals get an offensive line. Um, you know, if those guys stop getting hit or get hit less throughout their career, maybe they uh, they last that long, but... You know, the sheer fact that Brady's arm hasn't given out on him at any given time, um, you know, when all of his contemporaries, if nothing else, their arms have given out on them. Forget about whatever other injuries may have ailed them, um, you know, is remarkable. Um, you know, I don't think Russ Wilson has five years in him, let alone 10, but that's just me. Um, you know, so, I mean, yeah, if Matt Ryan can give uh, can give Steve another two seasons, I think, at a high level, that's great. You know, I'm sure, Steve, uh, after this season, anything that's even remotely close to average quarterback plays probably a godsend for him. So um, we'll have to see what, what sort of happens there for him. Yeah, before I let you jump in, Kyle, because um, yep. I want to hear your thoughts on this. The one thing I was going to say is that with Jalen Hurts is that you're right, he's made improvements. And yet, like, Jalen Hurts doesn't feel like a long-term option for Philadelphia, weirdly enough. Um yep there's some still gaps in his professional game. And, you know, the fact that Jalen hurts, you know, Miami was able to pick him up at the end of the second round when in his, in our, in our draft tells you how the consensus of us were like, eh, we're not too high on him. Yes. He was backing up Carson Wentz at the time, but there wasn't like, Ooh, this is a guy we might want to, you know, he's waiting in the wings to kind of like take the league by storm. Like, you know, with, um, the year that uh, Mahomes was drafted, you know, uh, Lauer drafted Mahomes at the end of the first round, even though Alex Smith was firmly in place. It was kind of, there was still that element like, okay, there's potential there. Um, but Jalen Hurts kind of went through our 20 teams in our league and, and none of us really felt confident enough that he would do it. Um, I think the jury's still a little bit out on him and, you know, hot take. I think that's probably a reason why that the Eagles weren't willing to trade away Minshew in the case, in the event that Jalen Hurts either gets hurt from um, his style of play or he goes in a slump and they want to have someone who's a little bit more steady and things like that. Um, kind of a, that's the, that's a one big fear that I would say that I'd have on uh, Miami's roster. And to the other point you mentioned too, Profiti, I agree um, that Brady is the anomaly and the exception to the rule and that I don't even think that we're going to see future quarterbacks um, coming up from college who kind of, whether they follow the Brady method or whatever to, to stay as healthy. I think the league has also evolved that like pocket passes are no longer as valuable. 
So they're going to be mobile anyways. And so they're still going to get hit, just not in the pocket. So uh, those guys, they're going to still encounter those problems unless they're built like a, I mean, even the ones that were built like Cam Newton still wore out once they hit the early thirties. Anyways, uh, Kyle, what's your thoughts? uh, uh, Any final thoughts on uh, Miami's roster or what we just talked about? Yeah, I'll keep it short. I, I, if, Matt Ryan doesn't show some sort of glimmer of hope this season. I think the writing is going to be on the wall. I think Indy needs that quarterback to move forward. And, you know, they didn't give up too much for him. So I don't think I'm, if he doesn't prove it this year, I think he's finished. And, and I think that uh, he's not going to be able to do it. You know, um, you, like you said, Randall, there was a lot of similarities between between the teams, and um, I think he'll be able to make them competitive, but I don't think he's going to be the long-term uh, answer. I think they need to go with someone younger, and and I don't think uh, – I'm actually surprised that they went with him uh, and that they didn't go with Baker. I guess um, maturity issues is that, you know – evident when it comes to to baker but mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't think he 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 lasts that long and and it, unless he proves something otherwise this season yeah so i guess final thought just to sort of wrap it up um on miami uh one word answer how many starting quarterbacks do, does the miami franchise have at the end of next season I'm gonna say one. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go and be risky and say none. You know, I, I'll go the other way and I'll I'll try to be an optimist. I'm gonna say two. <laughs> I mean, I've been a fan of Jalen Hurts for forever, so. Hey, I like Jalen Hurts too. You know, I'm not I'm not ragging on him. It's just it's one of those things where you know he's fantasy productive, but as an NFL quarterback, are the Eagles gonna continue to run him out? type of thing to just put up garbage points, not win enough games type of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of goes. But um, speaking of um, speaking of which I'd say, Kyle, this is a great opportunity. I know you got a little quiet there for a little bit. So we're going to move on to your other uh, recruit that came in the league in the Las Vegas Raiders. So get ready to pump up sod as much as you like. Tell us about uh, his roster and tell us a bit about like his, you know, some of the, I mean, early in the episode, we all kind of were skeptical of the Jerry Judy Deontay Johnson swap, but we'll discuss that afterwards, but go ahead, Kyle, and kind of talk tell up, us about talk the Raiders. My, talk about my boy. Well, you know, Chris is a relentless, um, you know, trader um he tries to you know obviously make moves and he did so by acquiring the first uh, a couple of years ago and drafting his franchise quarterback in joe burrow uh, he made another splash uh last season by acquiring derrick henry so you know he wants to make moves and he wants to be competitive and and he's proven in this offseason that he wanted to have someone that has proven it in the NFL with bad quarterback play with Big Ben. Uh, He went after Deontay Johnson, and for whatever reason, you know, we can say that maybe keeping Judy would have been a better 
option, but hindsight's twenty twenty, and we did not know Wilson was going to be going there. And I think he knew that Rogers might go there, and and he still wanted to make the deal. So, you know, you're getting a guy that's a target machine with a bad quarterback. Uh, I know Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph, one of the two is going to be the starter there. And, you know, we all have our thoughts on, on Mitch and, you know, we'll see what happens, but uh, I'm still confident that Deontay will be a, a top 15 wide receiver and, and all the websites I've been doing my research on have, have, have him around that mark. Um, you know, you pair him with T Higgins who, Let's be honest, you know, you know, Chase is obviously going to eat, but I think Higgins is going to pick up the scraps and, and be a force. And I think he's proven that in the playoffs and towards the end of the season. So Chris really has two guys there that he can count on in terms of young wide receivers. George Kittle is going to be, you know, George Kittle. And I think we all thought that his injury history was going to kind of make his talent decrease but uh, you know he finished off as the fourth wide receiver fourth tight end in our league um he really showed some flashes of greatness too so you know let's never write off george kittle because george kittle is definitely a force i think for chris right now and i think he knows it is the fact that chris carson is there on the last year of his contract Rashad Penny just got signed to Seattle for one year. So you got two running backs on the same team that are on one-year contracts. Who do you keep? Who's the running back that you're moving forward with? And we had a discussion about that today. And I said to him, I'm like, Chris, you got to wait until keeper deadline and, and you need to follow the Seattle Seahawks uh, website and training camp to the fucking down to see which guy elevates themselves. I personally think that Rashad Penny might be that guy. I think Chris Carson, you know, obviously has that neck injury, which who knows what that can entail going into the next season. But, you know, that I think is a big question mark, his running back uh, to position, which now he has to basically roll the dice and, and say, which is the best move for my team? keeping this guy or keeping this other guy. And then, you know, he has some solid defensive guys that are keepers. Devondre Campbell with Green Bay is the sixth-ranked linebacker, and Jalen Thompson, the third-ranked safety. Um, it does suck that he has Bobby Wagner, and, and he's still a free agent, so that could be a keeper as he finished off as the third-ranked linebacker. But... I think Chris next season is definitely going to be a threat. Um, you know, I'm sure he would want a second, you know, quarterback, but unfortunately he's got a stud running back, a stud quarterback and some young wide receivers along with an elite tight end. He's in, in a good position. And, and I think he's going to be one of those playoff teams going into next season. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly agree. I, I do think that uh, first and foremost, if he's not in the in the playoffs proper, he's certainly right around that mix anyway, no matter what. Um, you know, that that five man core that he's got moving forward of Burrow, Higgins, Johnson, and Kittle and Henry, sorry, how could I forget Derrick Henry? Hmm. Um, 
you know, those five guys um, on their own sort of would give most teams a chance to win week to week. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really curious. Uh, and I guess the sort of piggybacks on the Jamar Chase discussion um, from, uh, from Miami as well. Um, you know, Cincinnati spending money this offseason to try and improve their offensive line, um, you know, and not to make it elite, but just to make it uh, from probably the worst offensive line in football to just an average offensive line. Um, so, you know, giving giving Joe Burrow just a little bit of extra time, giving T. Higgins like an extra five steps downfield on every snap or giving Jamar Chase an extra five steps downfield on every snap. What does that look like for that Bengals offense? Um, you know, I think I think if I'm um, if I'm Chris, I'm definitely excited about that. I'm certainly excited about the possibility of a full season of Derrick Henry. Um, you know, I don't think any of us believe that um, that that foot injury was more than a one-off. Um, you know, I think George Kittle. There's nothing to not be excited about. I mean, he he was uh, healthy all last year, pretty much. Um, so if that trend continues and he's sort of gotten past whatever his injury issues are, uh, you know, there's a lot of bright days ahead for that. Um, you know, the only real question mark, and, and I say this as a Steelers fan, and I'm not saying this, you know, to try to, you know, like uh, disrespect to, a player. To, yeah, to disrespect the player or or anybody's owner. I'm just I'm not optimistic of what this Steelers offense looks like. Um, I know that the easy answer is is that everything looks better than Ben Roethlisberger's corpse from last season. Um, but you know, for what for what Ben is and for what Ben wasn't as uh, as a physical uh, specimen last year, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, you know, he does have that experience um, and, and that veteran sort of savvy, I guess, to work his way through an offense. Um, you know, not to say that Mitch Trubisky is incapable of doing that, but I don't envision, um, I don't envision that offense being as pass heavy as it was in years past. Um, you know, that offensive line hasn't really gotten any better in Pittsburgh. Um, and, and I see Mitch Trubisky doing a lot more, uh, with his legs than, um, than checking down, which Ben did a lot more of cause he had to. Um, that said, I mean Deontay's a target machine, so uh, or was a target machine with uh, with Ben there. So I mean, if if he develops that kind of chemistry with Trubisky, I mean, there's no reason for him to not be a top ten wide receiver. I'm just I, I'm curious to see what the training camp tape lo- looks like and what uh, the preseason tape looks like to see, I guess who uh, who gets the majority of those touches uh, before sort of making any real sort of uh, long term assessment on what Deontay may or may not be. So here's the thing I got to say about uh, Vegas' team. Like, you know, they were a contender throughout the year last season. Uh, they were caught in a rock and a hard place once Derrick Henry got hurt and he was out until the playoffs in the NFL season. But that doesn't matter for us, for the DFL. And that kind of, you know, put him in a different, difficult position. We saw with Chris Carson being hurt and then Chris Carson getting hot. Um, his team has a lot of pieces that shows that he is a playoff contender. I see his roster and I'm like, yep, you know, Sod's built up a really good team here. Um, and 
it's tough because there's the question marks and it's the question marks are more about the injury piece in terms of, you know, if, if George Kittle is out for three weeks and Rashad Penny's out for three weeks and those kind of coincide, like those are going to be three losses that are going to go in his, in his favor, unless, you know, Derrick Henry goes off for 50. So, you know, the one thing that I, wish for for um if i was the gm of the raiders would be like i wish that you know my roster stays healthy for a full fantasy season and let's see what you you know the other owners and other teams can do against it because this team is quite good you know derrick henry you know before he got hurt he was you know clear-cut rb1 to the point where you know his point differential between him and jonathan taylor was like six points and Jonathan Taylor ended up being the, you know, the um, running, the best running back in fantasy football. So that you can see that there's, you know, that kind of element there. And T Higgins, you know, I expect, like you, you mentioned, Profiti, a better offensive line. I think T Higgins is a great talent, you know, major kudos on Saad managing to get him in the early second round. Like that's a great steal there. And the fact that he's young, He's with Joe Burrow, a good double stack there that's on his roster. Um, I think T. Higgins has the potential to be a top 12 dynasty receiver moving forward. I think there's enough going around, especially towards the end of the season, as Cincinnati became more comfortable with throwing the ball more often instead of relying on Joe Mixon. Um, As Joe Burrow recovered from his ACL injury, I think that there is enough, as you mentioned too, Kyle, like I think there's enough targets that Higgins can feast. And so with, and then with George Kittle, like I love George Kittle, like he's a great, great, great tight end and he gets a lot of targets. And like you said, he finished tight end four and he was running with Jimmy G as his, <laughs> as his quarterback. And he missed three games that, that, that this past season. So he could have had, even if he threw up like 10 points, those three games, I'm sure he would have been able to push the top three or top two in that area. So Yeah, he's got a lot of pieces. You know, the hope really is going to be that they all stay healthy. Um, It's unfortunate that he's got this dynamic with um, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, but hopefully during training camp, um, things emerge that helps solidify his decision when he makes his final choices for his keepers. Um, And then he will decide whether it's going to be Penny or Carson um Kyle I agree with you too like Carson with the neck injury and things like that that kind of brings up a red flag but you know with the way things are going with modern medicine and who knows and if if Rashad Penny doesn't do as well in training camp they might cut him and they might find a rookie running back that we'll be talking about next year as the new um bell cow out in in Seattle so a lot of things to think about here um but we've got one more team we got to really look at here and it's a team that uh, has got a lot of studs, very young, but has been consistently been at the bottom of the standings throughout the history of the DFL. And so we're going to jump right in and talk a little bit about the Buffalo Bills, who used to be at one point the Denver Broncos, but became the Buffalo Bills. So Perfidi, why don't you take the lead on this? Sure. I mean, so just uh, quickly sort of glancing through that roster, um, you know, the first thing that you notice, um, I think, is the fact that he does have um, what I think the league um, 
widely would regard as two uh, two high end uh, quarterbacks. I mean, you have Lamar Jackson and the rookie, or or I guess uh, the redshirted rookie, uh, Trey Lance, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, you know, you got Hollywood Brown, you got Brandon Cooks, um, both uh, with top twenty potential, I think, depending on their situation. Um, you have Josh Jacobs, which I know um, probably has mixed reviews in this league, depending on who you ask. Um, and he has us sitting on his bench. He's got, you know, he's got Michael Gallup. He has uh, Gabriel Davis. Um, you know, Austin Hooper's out there, David Johnson. There, There's pieces there. You, you sort of see what could very well be the skeleton of, of a roster. Um, but somehow he has just never managed to put everything together. Um, you know, uh, I, unfortunately, I don't think he's ever cracked 15th place in the league in, in the entirety of the 12, 13 years we've had this league as a founding member. Um, you know, I, I, I just really – I don't know what to make of his roster because it should be good and it should be getting better going forward. I I just am not 100% trusting of his draft record because it really hasn't been great over the years. Um, and I just don't see a lot of commitment to trying to improve his team, and it looks like there's a lot of uh, organizational inertia, I think, is probably the best way to put it. Um you know, I mean, I hope his team gets better. I think, uh, I think when healthy, uh, if everybody's healthy, there's a lot of potential there. Um, you know, to be at least in the conversation of of the playoffs, anyway, if not uh, possibly contending for that, you know, uh, sixth through eighth seed kind of thing one day. So before I let you start, Kyle, the one comment I was going to say that you said that um, uh, the Bills have had like a consistent track record of being in the bottom five every season. Uh, yeah, there have, out of our 12 seasons, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yep, out of our 12 seasons that we've had so far, um, the Buffalo Bills have had two seasons where they finished above 15th. And those two seasons, they finished 14th. So it's it's been a very long, bad, uh, difficult um I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. It's just it's just been very difficult from a drafting standpoint, from a talent standpoint, from a trading standpoint. Just been very difficult for that franchise as they've just been consistently in the. They've been they, a better way to put it, Profiti, is that they have been in the bottom six for the entire history of the league. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so two, two fourteenth <laughs> places is what you got as your is your crowning achievement. But go go ahead, Kyle. So I, I find this team interesting. So I, I've taken some notes on him. Um, he's got a career 47% win record. Cool. So he's below 500 in 12 years. In the 12 years, he's picked in the top five six times. So that means you're getting a stud no matter what. And like you indicated where he's finished and, you know, to talk about his team, 
you know, you're basically, you're basically saying that Lamar Jackson and Trey Lance are going to lead me to the promised land. And, you know, we had a, you know, a light conversation in the group chat today saying that maybe Jimmy G goes back there and Trey Mm -hmm. Lance isn't ready. So now you've drafted a guy that might not even play next year and you have the rest of your team. I listen, I've said a lot of bad things about Allen Robinson and I know Brandon cooks is a good wide receiver, but I would rather have Allen Robinson than Brandon cooks. I don't know why. Uh, It's just my personal opinion. And if that's a guy that you want to bank your franchise on, so be it. I think I even had a discussion with him during the season and said, listen, sell this guy for whatever assets you can get now, because I think he shouldn't be a part of your team. And that's just my opinion. Um, He has Marquise Brown, who finishes the 21st uh, wide receiver, which is decent. But, you know, I'm, I'm not getting out of bed and getting super excited about Hollywood Brown. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I, I really do think he's going to have a better season with Devontae, Carr, and the rest of the team next year. I, I could be wrong. But other than that, you know, Michael Gallup is coming off of an injury. I know he signed a contract, but, like, you know, is is he going to be the guy there or is C.D. Lamb um, going to be basically eating all the targets there? Um, I know Gabriel Davis also had some flashes, but bottom line – is in this league, if you don't make deals, you will never, ever, unless you're one of the best scouts of talent, which clearly the GM of Buffalo, uh, you know, track record, it's not even like I'm making this up. The numbers are there. And mm-hmm. he's picked top, he's picked top five, six times, like I said, and he has still been at the bottom. I don't think they make the playoffs next year. I think they're going to be a bottom five team next year. And I have to ask the, you know, GM of the Buffalo Bills, you know, is this, you know, maybe it's, you know, not for him. Maybe he's too busy that he doesn't want to be interactive. If you're not interactive in this league, you fall behind. You know, we all enjoy one another. We all enjoy bantering back and forth. There's deals that are made during the season. There's deals that are made after the season. If you don't proactively want to make a move, and listen, you do with what you want with your team. If you think that your team is going to win, that's great. But, like, looking at this team, you know, and I'll ask you guys this after I'm done, you know, is it going to win? You know, you, you don't have any – like, Lamar Jackson – is a guy that runs recklessly. He gets hurt. He's out of the lineup. You know, um, is this a team that you can constantly can say like, my God, I- I'm scared of this team. I-, I think, you know, if I were Jordan, I probably blow it up before I continue finishing at the bottom of the league. Um, you know, he, I would say he only the only attractive player on his team that he could probably get anything for is Lamar Jackson. And I think you can get a big haul for him. Unfortunately, I don't think he wants to pull that trigger. Um, I think he made a mistake by drafting Jacobs over Kyler Murray 
because I remember when he drafted Jacobs, I even messaged him after he took him. I'm like, dude, you would have had Jackson and Murray as your two quarterbacks. The other holes you can fill as the years go on. And I think the mistakes he's made, um, just he, he won't be a playoff team until he decides that he wants to make an aggressive move. And I think he's too scared to do that. And, and that's fine. But, you know, if you don't, you know, if you don't take risks, if you don't risk it for the biscuit, you're not going to get anything. So I'll, I'll piggyback on what you just said there, uh, Kyle, in terms of making the trades and making the deals. Um, I've got some insider information about things, and I've also had my own experiences of you know, dealing with um, uh, trades and things like that with Barker over the years. Um, yeah, he's, he's a tough one. He's a tough nut to crack. I remember um, there was one year, I think it was the year that I was pushing in the finals. That would have been, that would have been the year that I lost to Lauer. And he had Young Wei Koo as the kicker on his team. And, you know, Young Wei Koo was like number one kicker on his roster. And I was like, you know what? I, my team looks pretty good. I want to get like, I want to upgrade my kicker position a little bit. And I had reached out to him. I said, Hey, you know, like I'll offer you like a sixth round pick or something like that for Young Wei Koo. Like you're out of the playoffs, you get a pick. It's something that like boosts up, like you're already moving up six rounds because you're going to give me back like a 10th or a ninth or whatever, or yeah, I guess three or four rounds. Um, and he was like, nope, I want He's like, I think you should give me a fifth. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? You want a fifth for this? And you're going to still want this. And I'm like, this is a kicker. Like, this is a freebie. Like, you're getting – someone is actively saying, like, I will give you a pick. You're going to be moving up three rounds or four rounds in the draft, which is basically 80 spots. And so you will have a chance to land a potential rookie or some sort of um, flyer player that you can build your roster around. And it still took a little bit of negotiation. And I was able to land Young Wei Koo that year, but it was, it was pretty difficult. And then the following year, or sorry, the year prior to that, um, I had um, and Nick Chubb was injured. He was on like the temporary IR for the six weeks. And I was kind of in a bind uh, as my roster was still competitive, doing well. But with Nick Chubb being out with the spring MCL or whatever it was, I was like, oh my goodness, like I cannot lose these next six weeks because then I'm going to just be out of the playoffs. And my team has got enough pieces to be a playoff contender. And so I reached out to Barker and I said, you know what? Like, I see that right now you are, you know, two and seven right now or two and five or one and five. And I'm open to trading Nick Chubb to you who was injured for a guy like Josh Jacobs, who I like. Um, and we can negotiate the picks and things like that. And it's not him purposefully tanking. It's you're going to have a guy on your roster that's on IR and is not going to be, you know, putting up any points. So it's not like, oh, my goodness, like Josh Jacobs drops like a 40-point a game and he wins a random game for you. It's like, okay, you've got Nick Chubb on your IR and that's that. Um, but he did not – he was not okay with trading Josh Jacobs, which is totally okay. And we've already heard in our league too about, you know, how Justin has tried to uh, acquire Lamar Jackson. When I look at his roster, you know, my 
and the picks that he has and where he's standing personally, what I would do is I would, I would sell Lamar and I would draft another quarterback this year or next year, because Kyle, like you said, this team is not in a position to compete above the bottom five. So you might as well sell off your best assets. Um, Last year, there was a lot of, I guess, inside information on this too. Um, There was a lot of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There was a lot of uh, chatter about Brandon Cooks being a perfect like wide receiver to pick up for like a third round pick or a fourth round pick to kind of bolster a potential playoff team that's making a late push because, you know, it's always good to get a a receiver who gets targets despite the quarterback play and things like that. And he wasn't moved. And the owners that had reached out to me and mentioned about what were the offers or what they were offering for me in a heartbeat, if I was a rebuilding team or that far, I would have said, yep, I'm going to get rid of Brandon cooks and I'm going to move on type of thing. So yeah, if if I was the Bills DM, I would really strongly consider, you know, acquiring more draft picks um, by selling Lamar Jackson, get some stud players, you know, at the same time, I can, depending on what happens with Jimmy G, I can get the hesitation there um, because you, 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 you drafted Trey Lance to be the future of the franchise. And if Jimmy G is not traded from the 49ers and he's still there, it kind of looms over this lengthy, lengthy um, rebuild. And this feels more than just a trust the process, as Mike would say. So, Perfidi, why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, Buffalo's team here? So, I mean, I think, I guess the, the, the most important takeaway, I think, when I look at Buffalo's team and the way that they're sort of um, conducting themselves in the league over the last several years is that it's hard to see the obvious plan here. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to see if he's trying to build from youth, if he's trying to go and acquire draft capital, if he's trying to go and, you know, make his team better, if he's trying to fill holes, if he's trying to just get lucky. Um, you know, I mean, I think both of you guys have already sort of mentioned that there's there's always a handful of moves that you can make as a rebuilding team to sort of jumpstart your process. And I'm not saying that um, moving Lamar needs to be that guy. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that that uh, moving Josh Jacobs needs to be that guy. But like, like you said, Randall, I mean, you know, you move Brandon Cooks at the trade deadline. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe a third's all you can get. And if that's not the value that you think uh, wide receiver 20 is in this league, then, then that's fair. I think, you know, that's, that's, that's reasonable for you to believe that, I guess. Um, but, you know, I mean, uh, even speaking personally, like I reached out to, uh, to Barker at the trade deadline last year. And I, I, uh, I believe I offered him something like uh, a 2023 first, second, um, you know, maybe one of my handcuff running backs. And I think it might've been either Terry McLaurin or OBJ. Um, if I can't remember specifically what, and it was just sort of met with like a flat. No. So, I mean, you know, and this was with, with Trey Lance, obviously, you know, not starting anytime soon that season. 
Um, so I who mean, you're trying to, sorry, I, I heard the trade, but I was trying to get a sense of who you're trying to acquire from Parker's team. That was for that was for Jacobs. Sorry. Okay, gotcha. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I obviously it didn't happen. Otherwise, we'd be having a different discussion, maybe. But I mean, you know, just the the lack of, um, I guess, communication from him in all facets, um, a, a seeming unwillingness to sort of negotiate, um, you know, is kind of problematic to me. Um, and I'm not saying that you know that that you need to make trades to be to be engaging in conversation with people. Um, sometimes the right move is to make no move, and I and I appreciate that, and I understand that. We'll save the no trade talk for next week. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, but you know, I mean, the the fact that you kind of don't really get like everything just feels like a non-starter when you approach him for trades. It becomes a bit problematic, I think, and and it certainly has um, rubbed a lot of teams the wrong way, especially because you know, I mean, usually in everything outside of this league. Um, in life, you know, if things aren't working, you sort of sit back and evaluate or step back and evaluate and sort of figure out if there's things that you could change in the way you conduct yourself or the way you can do things. Um, but for whatever reason, when it comes to this league, Jordan's never really done that. Um, which to me, or, or, or maybe he has, and, and he's got a master plan that we don't know about, but, uh, but at face value, it appears that he's that there's a lot of introspection that's missing here with his team. Um, you know, maybe we're all wrong, and he thinks his team's a lot better than than we do. Um, but um, but I mean, I think the the proof is sort of in the history of his team, and uh, unfortunately, uh, it, it, you're probably looking at another lean year if we're being perfectly honest. So, I, which I, I don't which, know. And, and, and by ahead, lean, Kyle. and by and by lean, he means the team is dust. You're going to be at the bottom, and listen, it's just poopy. It's a poop, poop, shitty um, bottom dweller team at the moment. And listen, you know, yeah, you don't have to trade, but at the same time, you know, I, I th- I've heard from him where like. He goes 0-4, and, and now he, he's like, oh, well, I guess it's next season. I guess it's next mm. season, 0-4. Like, that's not a way to think about it. Like, why don't you do something to change it? Get a couple of wins under your belt, you know? Yeah, you're losing, but maybe there needs to be something changed. And I don't think he can pull the trigger. I don't think he – I think he's afraid to make the deals because he doesn't want to be on the losing end. And if that's the way that you're going to think um, top five picks and then making the wrong picks is destined for your future. So what I'll say on that there, Kyle um, is yeah, there's definitely the fear of making the wrong move. I mean, there was that one season where he traded a second round pick after week one for Tyler Higby. And it just was like, Oh, here you go. Second round pick for Tyler Higby. Like I need a tight end to make. my team yeah, That was, that was with me, man. That was with yep. me. Yeah. Please. Oh, oh, please, 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 please. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, if 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 the three of us were to look, and we were the GM of the Buffalo Bills at this point, personally, I would be having a a fire sale of sorts. 
I would either be trying to see how I would move Lamar Jackson or Josh Jacobs because those are your two most valuable assets. Josh Jacobs is still young. He's improved as a pass catcher. He's now got a better offensive coach and things like that that's going to hopefully boost his fantasy value. Lamar Jackson, I love Lamar Jackson. He's a great quarterback. He's getting better every year. I hope Baltimore, like, get some, some more weapons and things like that so he can throw the ball a bit more to showcase some of those skills. Um, but when you think of the timeline, because, you know, both Kyle, you and Profidia both have talked about this, the timeline, of like when all your players kind of peak at the same time, you know. So if you're still at the bottom and you've got this, like, stud in a guy like Lamar Jackson, are you better off just getting a bunch of picks and getting a bunch of um, rookies and things like that to supplement your roster? Or would you go the route of just get me a bunch of competitive guys, you know, let me get, I'm going to trade with Lamar Jackson and I'm going to get a, you know, I'll get a top 15 wide receiver. I'm going to get a first, I'll get a second. I'm going to get a top 15 quarterback um, to kind of fill that slot. And then at least my team is now competitive to like win some games and maybe I can sneak in later. What would you guys do um, with, if you had this roster in front of you and you were the GM of the Buffalo Bills, um, what would be uh, one of the things that you would be as your top priority um, in this moment? So whoever wants to go first, go for it. Can I take this one, Andrew? Absolutely, man. Um, I would blow it up. Um, Gallup and Cooks would have been gone from my team before the trade deadline last year, and I would have gotten as many picks as possible for them. Um, obviously, you know, I'm not saying like first round draft picks, but I'm saying like, you know, if a second or a third popped up, fuck it, let's just do it. I would then, um, you know, gauge the market for Jackson and try to get, like you said, a back end quarterback, uh, you know, a top. 10 wide receiver if I can um, a top 10 running back if I can't get that receiver so one or the other um, and then I'd want you know multiple picks a first a second and maybe even a prospect if I can in one of the positions either running back or wide receiver because that's what I think a, a guy like Jackson deserves um, if that market isn't out there uh, I would try to upgrade at running back whether it be you know keeping Josh Jacobs and getting a, you know, a running back two or upgrading at uh, Jacobs, you know, it, it would be a complete, uh, I think the only guy I would keep and just roll the dice with is maybe Trey Lance uh, just because you don't know what that potential is, but yeah, that's what I would be doing. I'd be going all in on trying to find the person I want to, you know, get as much as possible from. So I guess, what I would do, um, to be honest, is for the off season, I'd probably just, I, I'd stand pat with the quarterbacks. I think I think you can get more from either position trading them in season, um, or at least after the draft. Anyway, um, same thing with Josh Jacobs. I know um, DeAndre Swift netted a very high return, um, but something in the mold of that uh, trade. Or, or at least the the Eli Mitchell trade, um, you know, on the on the low end, I think, are something that he could look for in terms of a return for Josh Jacobs. Um, 
if he tried to do that either in season or before the draft, I don't know which is more viable for him. And then um, I would be looking to trade. Uh, I would try to trade Cooks and Brown. I, I would probably hold Gallup just because, I mean, I think uh, of those three teams, the Dallas offense is probably the most explosive or projects to be the most explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know that Gallup situation probably won't change for the next few years anyway. Yep. Um, and what I unless be... he does, yeah, unless he doesn't recover from his ACL the way right. you'd expect him to. That's right. the only thing. But go on. Um, fair. And and what I'd probably be trying to do in moving those wide receivers is getting, um, getting pl- like high upside players. Um, you know, you know, possible breakout players and and draft picks. So, you know, if it's if it's like a if you know the most you can do is a third round pick or a fourth round pick or whatever for Brandon Cooks and Marquise Brown, then do so. But make sure that you're getting a guy that might be a breakout player next season coming back the other way. You know, um, whether it, you know, shit, not to name names, but like there's, you know, usually in the NFL, there's always a sophomore receiver that kind of breaks out. Um, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's a running back that sort of just um, takes that second year leap scenery or opportunity or whatever, um, you know. You never know, right? The, the 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 nice thing about the NFL is that um, with injuries and opportunity, things are always changing. And you carry those guys through the draft. Um, and most importantly, you do your homework on the draft. Um, you know, you, you got to pay attention to what these rookies are doing, especially if you've got high-end draft capital. Um, and, and, you know, you need to be able to put your team in the best possible position to succeed. And that starts with, um, with whichever guys you're drafting. And, I mean, he has fourth overall pick. And, I mean, I think I've made it known for a while that I'm not super high on this quarterback class. So I wouldn't trade Lamar and, and Trey Lance. I'd probably I'd probably try to pick a running back, whether it's uh, uh, Bryce, Reese, Reese, whatever his name is there, um, or, uh, or the guy from Michigan State. Um, you know, those would be the guys I'm targeting at four if I'm him. Um, you know, I, I think that the wide receiver class is too deep to try to find the next Jamar chase. I just, I, I think there's too many options and you risk making that wrong decision. So I'd probably stay yeah. away from that, but, uh, but that, like, I mean, I, I, we, we, we had that problem last year cause it was Jamar chase, Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle. Exactly. And yeah. So yeah, you don't know who's going to be the, I mean, Jamar chase was the special one because yeah, he knew he was special. It was just uh, he took a year off during COVID, so we didn't That's know true. what it would look like. But go and, on. And you know, he talked about not seeing the ball and all that other nonsense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's probably more of a measured approach than what uh, what Kyle's proposing. But I, I mean, I think um, you know, you've been you've been patient for twelve years. What's another year? Yeah, or five. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if I'm looking, if I'm the GM of the of the Bills, and I'm looking at if this is the roster I have to work with, you know, the first thing that I'm doing is like everybody is available with the exception of Trey Lance, because you know, this is a long haul of a rebuild. So Trey Lance may not be the starter next year, but he might be the starter two years from now and things like that. And so you want to be able to maximize um, being able to um, acquire draft picks and other players to fill in your roster because I agree with you, Profiti. Like, I wouldn't want to move Lamar Jackson, 
but what good is it if Lamar Jackson gives me a 40-point game and I'm still getting blown out because the rest of my team is not competitive enough exactly. to compete with the higher-end um, higher rosters if I'm going to compete for a championship or a playoff position? You know, it's hard to evaluate what the return is going to be. And we talked about at the beginning of the episode, like what would be the appropriate value for Devontae Adams? I don't know what the appropriate value would be for Lamar Jackson. I'm sure Lamar Jackson got moved in our league. Yeah, I mean, there would be some uproar, probably because of the fact that, like, it wouldn't have been the best deal possible. I mean, we got a glimpse of what happened with Deshaun Watson being um, flipped to, to, to Kenny. And, yeah, there was the J.A. Dobbins in the first-round pick and, and that sort of thing. And, I mean, there was the, quote-unquote, there is a risk that Deshaun never plays a football game ever again which was a lot of, that was a big smoke screen in my opinion anyways. But going back on topic here, like if I was the Bills, like what I would do is I would try to find a way to move Josh Jacobs, try to find a way to move Lamar Jackson, move Cooks, move Brown, and just kind of like blow the whole thing up, as Kyle said, and you're going to start young and everybody's going to be young at the same time because as you mentioned earlier in the pod, it's pretty hard to go like, like whether it's repeated playoff appearances or repeated finals appearances and usually when that happens is when all the players are in their respective primes and are on your roster. So when Trey Lance is ready, Josh K, Josh Jacobs is going to be probably washed, you know, or, you know, Brandon Cooks is not going to be the guy in Houston or whatever. Um, the, the, the one thing that if I'm wishing for, if I'm the Bills, I'm wishing for that you hold on Brandon Cooks and you hope that um, – the Green Bay Packers knock on the door being like, Aaron Rodgers needs a receiver. Would you like to trade Brandon Cooks to us? And then you can get a very high value draft pick for Brandon Cooks. So Brandon Cooks is the one player I would hold out on for simply because I think despite the negativity that's around him, you're right. He's a top 20 receiver in a garbage offense. He still put up numbers with the Saints, with the Patriots, with the Texans, he put up numbers. He does that well. He does it well in fantasy as well. And so, yeah, if there's a – someone comes knocking on the door on the Houston Texans franchise and says, hey, we want Brandon Cooks for this pick, and you're like, huh, all right, he's going to go to Green Bay, or he's going to Denver, or he's going to Tampa Bay, or he's going to some other high-octane offense, then Brandon Cooks' value immediately skyrockets. Yeah. And so if – Brandon Cooks, ironically, even though he seems to be the first player I'd want to trade on the roster, I feel like because Houston in the real NFL is in such a deep rebuild, they're going to trade him to like some contender. And then that would, in the DFL, would boost his value. And therefore, you could get a better pick or better prospects out of it. What do you guys think? I mean, for sure. And, you know, we're not also in all this, I guess. Um what's being lost too is, you know, if Davis Mills takes any version of a step forward too, like his production probably goes up this year too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, even if he happens to stay put in Houston. So, I mean, uh, I think it's sound logic. I mean, like you said, he's produced everywhere he's played um, in the most underrated way possible in a way that has like, he's been a wide receiver too. I feel like his entire career. You know, and and not to say that in a bad way, but like, it's a it's a body that's very useful on 
probably about 75% of the rosters in this league. So, yeah. So the one thing I'll say on this, because he finished as wide receiver 20 fantasy wise, and because we were in a 20 team league, which I guess people forget when we talk about evaluations about draft picks and, and yeah, he's theoretically players. a wide receiver one. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Theoretically, he is a wide receiver one in the depth of our league. So, you know, if I'm Barker, you, you either roll the dice and you trade him and say like, you know what, he has his wide receiver one value because he is wide receiver 20 or you, you wait till he gets to a even better situation. But like you said, Profiti, he's been productive wherever he's been. So I, I bet you he doesn't even keep him and it's dropped into the player pool. <sighs> Uh, Mr. Negative over here, eh? Just, just, just not having any of. Hey, Kyle said that he likes him more than Allen Robinson. Oh, sorry, he likes Allen Robinson more than Brandon Cooks. So yeah. he's pretty, he's pretty low on Brandon Cooks. I don't know, forty-seven percent and no playoff appearances in twelve years. No, I'm talking about Brandon Cooks as a player, not the Bills. No, well, both. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, look. Don't get me wrong. I, I understand anything's possible, but I mean, I don't. I, I don't think anybody in this league is 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 that foolish. I guess, point for the best way to put it. Well, and I just thought that. I just thought that. You know, I, I root for the underdog, but um, you know, at this point, it's just it is what it is. Yeah, I hear you, man. Uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, like I said, I you know. Uh, limited interactions that I've had with Jordan over the years is a good guy. Just, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of guys in this league that have, you know, a wife and kids and a life and a job and all those other things. And, oh, and graffiti, just poo pooing on all uh, on us, Sarah, and being like, oh, yeah, we don't, we were in that position yet in our stage of life. Look, man, like, I got, like, I got no wife, no kids, and I, all, all I got's the job. So, like, mm. but you know, <laughs> I mean, but like we all find ways to make time for this league um, in whichever way we do. Um, so, I mean, you know, it, the, the last thing that I want to, uh, I, I, I want to say is that there's really, there's very little excuse for being too busy for this league. Like, especially given the, the amount of guys in this league, like I said, that, that are, you know, at this point in time, fathers, um, you know, um, the amount of guys that are married, that have wives that have, you know, demanding jobs to varying degrees. You know, we all we all sort of it's football, guys. You make time once a week. Like, you know, I mean I, I set my lineup but I'm taking a shit for fuck's sakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not like uh it's not like we're asking for a lot here that way. Um you know, a, a little bit more commitment would be would be great and and would be welcomed, I think, by the other nineteen owners in the league if uh if you ever happen to listen to this thing, Jordan. And, and, final uh, thoughts, Kyle. Final thoughts, like you said, uh, you know, as uh, as fathers, and shout out to Levi Whitney, who's in in bed sleeping right now as I'm doing this pod. Yo, but, let's um, go, Levi. Let's go, little. Um, yeah, all, all I ask, you know, I guess, it, yeah, we just want, you know, for him to be a part of it and and to be active with us. We, he's a great guy, an amazing father, a great businessman, and. We just want him uh, to be a part of this and we want to see him make the playoffs and we want to see him do good. And I think that's just, uh, you know, part of all the trips I'm trying to lay down. 
Yeah, and I mean, for me, like, I don't know Barker personally, but I will say this, like, he's one of the original owners in our league, and the fact that three of us have also have been the original owners in the DFL, and I've had nothing but positive experiences chatting with um, with Barker about potential trades, about potential players, and things like that, and his opinions on things. I understand it can be difficult at times when to, you know, manage other things. Um, but he is definitely someone who really is about football. Um, I think the hard part really is going to be when I think of me and my own personal experience during the DFL is like when you're like a four and nine team or a five and eight team and you've got this stud, but you love this player, you love the way they play and, and things like that. You, you just don't want to let go of them. I think the advice that if I were to give to Jordan, if he were to listen in, I would say that, you know, your team has pieces. The rest of the league is incredibly competitive. It is okay to let go of players that you really like or really wished that would have been part of your championship core or your playoff core. It's okay. You just kind of go on, reset, and redo it. Draft, draft again. Draft, improve on your drafting skills based on if you've made mistakes in the past and keep moving forward and go from there. And don't get fleeced by Justin. <laughs> it's basically it. Wow. I didn't even say it. <laughs> I had to say it because apparently everybody thinks I'm on Justin's like, you know, I, I'm there in the corner just, you know, pumping up Justin. But, you know, oh, I mean, reality is. And apparently Kyle and I have an agenda. So, I mean, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I told, you, I, I told you guys I have a diary, not an agenda. And it's pink. Mm. That's it, man. Very nice. But this was really fun, guys. I really appreciate that we got to go through, you know, the two finalists, a potential contender with the Raiders and a very long-term rebuilding team in the Bills and just looking at their rosters. Yeah, you know, it's fun chatting with you guys. I know we listeners here at the DFL, we did go a little bit longer than expected. But I think we had to air out all the... Uh, there was a lot to unpack. Yeah, a lot to unpack, especially from the uh, Devontae Adams trade. But I got to say, you know, it's been great chatting with you uh, this evening. Uh, grateful all the listeners out there. Any last things you want to say before we peace out? Uh, just tune in to our next podcast of the uh, the off-season agenda and, and uh, see what we come up with next. <laughs> yeah, just love to, it. Just a second on uh, Randall. You know, love having these conversations with you guys. And, you know, if you guys have feedback, you know, let us know, man. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. I mean, we're not on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anything, but, you know, you can always just drop a five stars in the group uh, chat. Five-star Yelp reviews. <laughs> exactly. If it's a one-star, we're well, not going to be offended by it, so we'll know. Well, we'll know it's Justin. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Oh, boys. It's, you know, everybody have a good night. Um, yes. 
And uh, until next time, we'll uh, get together again and chat about the next four teams. Excellent. Take care, guys. Y'all have a great night. You too, boys. Take care. Peace. Okay. Bye-bye.